are listening to Certification Conversations from the BSI Education Podcast in collaboration with BSI Certification, helping organizations to embed best practice. Today's episode is on ISO 45003, Managing Psychological Health and Safety at Work. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs, and this is Certification Conversations, a series from the BSI Education Podcast, developed in collaboration with our friends at BSI Certification. During the series, we'll feature some key standards and certification schemes and explore how they can help organisations of all types and in all sectors to improve the way they do things and to get to where they need to go. With our expert guests, we'll discuss how organisations can use standards to demonstrate their carbon neutrality, how they can provide better customer service, and how they can provide protections for vulnerable consumers. This episode is about the standard ISO 45003, Managing Psychological Health and Safety at Work. And our expert guide is Kate Field, Global Head of Health, Safety and Wellbeing at BSI. I speak to Kate about what drove the development of the standard, its relationship to other health and safety standards, and how it helps organisations. Before we hear from Kate, here's a quick guide to ISO 45003. Published in June 2021, ISO 45003 is an international management system standard. Now, its full title is Occupational Health and Safety Management, Psychological Health and Safety at Work, Guidelines for Managing Psychosocial Risks. Put simply, it is the first global standard to give practical guidance to organizations on managing psychological health in the workplace. It addresses the many areas that can impact a worker's psychological health, including ineffective communication, excessive pressure, poor leadership, and organizational culture. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the BSI Education Podcast. Hi, it's lovely to be here and I'm really looking forward to our discussion. Now, let's begin like we begin with all of our guests. What's been your standards journey? How did it start for you and where are you now? The reality is it started probably over 20 years ago when I joined the HSE, the UK regulatory body for health safety um, here as we are based in the UK. And one of the things that I had to do during my training was learn about the different law, but also the different standards that we as a regulator would refer to because standards are seen as industry good practice. They are made by industry for industry. And if there wasn't legislation in a particular topic, we would look and see if there was a standard. And we would use that standard as as part of a guide in terms of what good looked like um, and for making decisions about whether organisations were following that guide. So I learned about standards many, many years ago. And then over the course of the rest of my uh, career, I've then got into the training on standards, the auditing of standards, and it's always been part of my life until four years ago, I got to join BSI, which was a huge privilege privilege and I'm very excited to be here and now I get to talk about standards to all of our audience worldwide and promote the wonderful things that they do. So tell us about that role that you have now what do you do for BSI? 
I'm Global Head of Health Safety and Wellbeing at BSI. And importantly, that's not internally focused. So I don't look after the health, safety and wellbeing of our employees and wider community in BSI, although I support our teams that do. I help our clients to understand the tools that are available to them and help them implement those tools and identify if there are tools that are missing and again help them develop those tools. So it's a really great role because I get to help and support and and make workplaces better. Now, we're talking about workplaces there. Obviously, there have been some significant changes in the workplace over the past 18 months or so, not least, obviously, because of COVID. So as a result of those changes, you know, what are the biggest challenges for people and organisations in terms of psychological health? So I think it's worth reflecting before we get into the detail of the impact of of the last 18 months that actually before COVID-19, psychological health and safety within the workplace has been a significant issue. You know, the stress, burnout um, and the absence that that can cause has been having really significant impacts on businesses for a, a long time. You know, the last 10 plus years, we've really started to understand the cost to business and the wider economy of not managing psychological health and safety. And, and where we don't manage that and it, it turns into mental ill health, the cost of to that of businesses and the economy. So I I do want to just draw our listeners' attention to the fact that it's been around actually for for a number of years. So of course, the last 18 plus months with the COVID-19 pandemic have really focused people's attention on the the need to look after their employees to prioritise people. And what's been very interesting is that we do research in BSI. We do an organisational resilience index every year where we go out um, and we ask organisations against a a set framework that helps them be more resilient. We ask them questions to say, you know, what have you been doing and how has it worked? And very clearly last year was the message that we've been focused on our people and the organisations that said that were definitely those that were more resilient, have weathered the disruption of the pandemic the most effectively. And as we tentatively start to emerge from the pandemic, if, if we are, depending where you are, on the, are in the world, it depends on where we are on that journey. It is very clear those organisations that have looked after their people have uh, been more resilient and are stronger as as we start to move forward. But I think one of the things that we've saw with the pandemic, and and it's it's really interesting, I find it absolutely fascinating. So I've touched on the fact I've been a health and safety professional for 20 plus years, and I've made all the moral, legal and financial arguments about why looking after your people is the right thing to do and the benefit that brings to business. And they've had some impact, but it's always been limited. And I think with the COVID-19 pandemic, what we saw for the first time was a disruption that impacted everyone in the same way. So with other health and safety issues within the workplace, you know, they might not impact the CEO. They might not impact the cleaner. They might not impact the IT manager. They might not impact the, the marketing lead. But what we had with COVID-19 was 
all of us impacted in exactly the same way. And therefore, it brought out a, a level of humanity within the workplace that simply hadn't existed before and, and created this awareness that we need to care and look after each other. And I think the other thing that was very interesting as part of that kind of impact that we all felt the same way, it really broke down a lot of the hierarchical barriers within an organisation. You know, it went from them and us to we're all in this together. And therefore, it's changed the perception about the need to look after people and the importance of getting that right. So it's been this big change. But you asked a very specific question, which I realise I haven't answered um, in terms of what the impacts have been from a psychological health and safety point of view. And they've been numerous. We've had job insecurity. So that worry about where the next paycheck is coming from, you know, are we going to have enough money to pay the rent to put food on the table? Is my business going to survive? Is it going to go bankrupt? Will I have a job in six or 12 months? We've had, for a lot of people, particularly working in service industries, we've had this whole shift to working one day in the office to working at our kitchen table the next day. And for a lot of people, that is a very different experience and managing the working hours. So when to start, when to switch off has been a real challenge. Where we have been working at home, a lot of people have also been trying to juggle um, parental responsibilities and homeschooling. So managing, you know, this level of sort of additional pressure has been very difficult. And then one of the big things that encompasses all of this is change. We've constantly facing change. We've had this change in the way we work. Even if we have gone back to the office, the or the, the workplace, what we do has changed. You know, we have to pre-book before we go in or we have to clean our workstation or we are not allowed to sit next to the person we used to sit next to because we're social distancing. And all of these factors are disruption that can create psychological ill health. Now, earlier we heard our quick guide to ISO 45003, but I'm interested to find out, you know, what drove its creation? You know, why is it needed and what problem does it seek to solve? So I mentioned previously that actually the causes of, of psychological ill health in the workplace have been around for a long time. And we focused on the traditional physical safety issues within the workplace and slowly but surely, we've started to look at health issues. But even where we've looked at health issues, we've looked at physical health issues. So we've looked at things like occupational cancers or occupational respiratory diseases, all of which are hugely debilitating. Cancers in particular can be um, fatal. You know, it's an important area for us to address. But the last barrier or, or uncharted frontier has been psychological health and safety. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. I think there's a concern and a misconception that, you know, when we talk about psychological health and safety, we're talking about an individual's mental health. And there is a lot of stigma associated with mental health and particularly mental ill health. And organisations have believe that tackling psychological health and safety is about tackling mental ill health. 
And there is a relationship, but the two are very different. And therefore, you know, the, the barriers and stigma associated with mental ill health have prevented organisations looking at what the work-related causes of psychological ill health might be. So we've got that challenge. The other challenge we've got is that organisations don't understand what causes psychological ill health in the workplace. And we'll we'll come back to it, I'm sure, in a moment. But we talk about a particular term, psychosocial risks. It's the terminology that we use to group these work-related causes of psychological ill health. And organisations have not really understood what they are and therefore they don't know what action to take um, and therefore it's prevented actually any progress, uh, any change within the workplace to address those issues. So it's a, a culmination of kind of this concern about touching on individual health matters, particularly uh, mental ill health, a lack of understanding about what causes psychological ill health in the workplace that has led to this inability for organisations to know what to do and therefore they haven't done anything. Here's me interrupting my conversation with Kate to tell you that for more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the hashtag BSI Ed pod and you listen to us via Apple Podcasts, then please consider giving us a five-star rating. It's quick and easy, and it really does make a difference to us being found via search and recommendations. Share us on social media using that hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or previous episodes, or even ideas for future episodes, then get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. So to the heart of the matter then, Kate, how does ISO 45003 actually help organisations? So we've just heard what the the challenges are, why organisations haven't tackled psychological health and safety. ISO 45003 is a solution to that challenge. It is a how-to guide to identify what these work-related causes are, gives you action to take um, and then gives you a way to measure the effectiveness of that action. So it is this practical how-to guide. Um, And I think that's one of the fantastic things about standards. They're designed to be practical and accessible to all sorts of organisations in all sorts of sectors. And 45003 in particular has been designed to really help organisations navigate and break down the barriers to tackling this last uncharted part of health and safety management within the workplace. So to give you an example of this, I I tentatively mentioned the terminology that we use to describe these work-related risks. We use this term psychosocial, um, and it's a combination, as as it might sound like, of psychological and social. So these are the psychological factors and the social factors within the workplace that can create, create physical, mental, cognitive and emotional harm. So I'm going to use a specific example. We've talked about earlier change and human beings by their very nature 
generally don't like change. And what happens is when we are exposed to something that we maybe don't like or don't feel comfortable about, our stress response system fit um, comes into play, our natural inbuilt flight or fight uh, response. We all have it wherever we are in the world. It's part of our DNA and it's there and designed to keep us safe. But when we have something that makes us feel maybe a little bit nervous or a little bit anxious, we know it might be taking a test, studying for an exam, whatever it happens to be, this automatic response in our body is triggered. It's a great, it's natural. But where that response is triggered a lot over a prolonged period of time, it can go from being a really great way of keeping us safe to actually causing us harm and that harm can be physical so it can cause cardiovascular issues it can be mental so it actually impacts things like our memory and our concentration it can be cognitive so our ability to take in information to learn new aspects or to make decisions and it can be emotional so we can be quicker to anger or tears or we can become with withdrawn And the implications of some of those is that where it it happens over a prolonged period of time, it can have a more detrimental impact on on our health. So where I said, you know, impact on our cardiovascular system, you know, that can lead to heart attacks where we have this impact on on our cognitive and mental health. Then actually that can lead to things like anxiety and depression. So within 45,003, what it does is identify all of the different work-related causes of these psychosocial risks. And there are three pages, three tables listing all of the different things that can potentially be an issue within the workplace. Now, this standard is part of a series, and I'm interested to learn how it relates to to other health and safety solutions, such as ISO 45001. So you're you're right, it's part of a, a suite So ISO 45001 is the main occupational health and safety management system, and and that was written um, and published uh, in 2018. But I mentioned that we've, we've had this missing knowledge around psychological health and safety. And although that is touched on in 45001, the ISO Technical Committee that wrote 45001 knew that they needed to provide better guidelines, this practical how-to guide to help organisations really tackle this particular type of health and safety risk. So they developed 45003 as a guideline to support 45001. So it is designed to complement and support what is the main health and safety framework of 45001, but to give and, and go much deeper into detail for these psychosocial risks that need to be uh, adapted. But if you're not familiar with 45001 or you don't use it within your organisation, you can still use 45003. As with all ISO standards, it follows the same structure, which is basically a plan, do, check, act approach. And therefore, you can use 45003 um, as part of your toolkit to really address um, psychological health and safety within your workplace. 
So organisations don't have to have any other requirements or systems in place in order to use this particular standard? No, no, they don't at all. Um, I mean, there are aspects because it was designed to help and complement 45001. It does cross-reference to 45001. So some of the definitions um, come from 45001, a really important part of good psychological health and safety management and health and safety management is consultation and participation with your workforce. And in 45003, it talks about kind of do what 45001 says and then do this extra bit in terms of psychological health and safety. So there is reference to, so certainly knowing and being familiar with 45001 is beneficial, but you don't need to do it. You can use 45003 as a, as a standalone. So Karen, I'm wondering, do, do people need any particular training in order to use this standard? So no, they do don't. And this is the beauty of, of standards. As I mentioned, they're how-to guides. So, um, you know, anybody can pick them up um, and read them. So your, I suppose, literacy, a basic level of literacy is, is needed. Um, but they're designed to be accessible to anybody, including people who may not be familiar with the subject before. They're, they're designed to guide you through it. But I think one of the things that we do here or concerns about is because we talk we're talking about psychological health and safety and we use this term psychosocial risk there's often a misconception that you need to be a doctor in psychology that you need to have some sort of professional um, professor level understanding of 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 sort of cognitive uh, and mental health and you absolutely don't. Um, this is about normal risk management so within an organisation there are lots of people who are very familiar with looking at business risk and thinking about what that means for the business and taking actions to mitigate or minimise that risk and it's exactly the same here. The key thing is that this is part of health and safety management. So you do need people and it's certainly more accessible to people who are familiar with health and safety management. The key thing being is just to upskill and, and, and get some confidence about what these psychological health and safety risks are, what these psychosocial risks are. Um, and that's what this standard helps you do. So it is designed for everybody um, and you don't need to be a, a doctor in psychology. Now, you mentioned earlier at the start of our conversation around the sort of general challenges around psychological health. And everyone, as you said, has gone through this this tremendous change over the past 18 months in mm. terms of, of COVID and the, the impact on our working lives and our personal lives. Mm. I just wonder, for this particular standard, then, who is the standard for? Is it is it all types and sizes of organisations? And do they need to be at a particular stage of their growth? And who, who's the standard really aimed at? So it's it's aimed for everyone. It's aimed for SMEs right up to, to multinationals. Um, and it's it's designed for anybody within that workplace who wants to look and explore and understand what those risks are. As a health and safety management system, that obviously means potentially uh, those who are responsible for, for health and safety, but it's also there to help line managers, human resources, people development, operations, anybody who's dealing with people within an organisation. And of course, that's ev everyone. Um, so it's very much designed to be accessible 
to everyone, whatever your size or type of organisation and, and wherever you are in the world as well. And you've, you've mentioned people there. Now, BSI has recently launched a prioritising people model. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that ISO 45003 does is provide a definition on workplace well-being. And it talks about within the standard, um, managing psychological health and safety and promoting well-being. And they are important aspects. Uh, 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 they are, I don't know, two, two sides of the, uh, of the same coin, if you like. You need to eliminate what can cause negative ill health and negative well-being before you can create an environment that enables a positive sense of well-being. But when we look at the definition of workplace well-being and ISO 45003, it's described as fulfillment of the physical, mental, social and cognitive needs and expectations of a worker related to their work. So it, important elements, it talks about coverage of physical, mental, social and cognitive. So really thinking about the, the whole person. But then really importantly, it talks about the needs of individuals. But what 45003 doesn't cover, because it's it's talking about and focused on the management of these particular risks, is it doesn't therefore give guidance about what the needs of individuals are to create that sense of well-being. So BSI developed uh, over the summer and launched BSI's Prioritising People Model. And this is a best practice framework for workplace well-being. It answers that question. So what are those needs? What does that look like and how do we approach it? And it's it's based loosely um, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs because one of the things that we need or <laughs> people need is to feel um, safe before we can feel that we can reach the next stage if we don't feel safe then we don't you know we're not thinking about what our career opportunities are if we're worried about going home at the end of the day then you know we're not thinking about the future so it works very much on identifying what those basic needs are that you need to get right in in terms of keeping people safe um, physically and mentally before then moving up into the next level which is looking at psychological needs so how do you create a sense of belonging and self-esteem that are really important for that sense of well-being and that talks about really important aspects such as career development, work-life balance, but also fair and respectful workplaces. You know, so this is the, your diversity and inclusion initiatives to make sure that everybody within your workplace feels included um, and has this ability to achieve this sense of, of well-being. And then it moves up into, you know, the, the top level, which is um, fulfillment needs. So when you've got all those other needs sorted, then you can really look to achieve your full potential as a, an individual. And that's where things like creativity and autonomy start to come in. Um, and for an organisation that leads to a lot of innovation which makes the organization more resilient overall so you have this dual benefit um, in terms of getting this model right and really looking at the needs of the individual you you address the individual well-being um, needs but you also get these benefits for the organization 
So I've given uh, an outline of our prioritising people model and, and that provides a framework for addressing all of these needs that are reflected in the definition of workplace wellbeing in ISO 45003. And certainly, you know, 45003 is a really important part of getting workplace well-being right, really starting to tackle the work-related causes of negative health, safety and well-being. But I'd just like to, to re-emphasise the point that I touched on earlier, is that organisations have historically thought that this is a an individual problem, you know, an individual isn't resilient or they're weak or they're broken or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just give them some, some personal resilience training and everything will be okay. And of course, that hasn't had a positive, the positive impact that might have been expected. And the reason for that is that you need to take organisational level action. So perhaps an easier way of explaining that is to think about a traditional safety risk that we are all familiar in with whatever type of industry or sector we work in, whatever our job is. And that's fire safety. So fire safety is an organizational level risk you know if, if there's a fire within the workplace then not only are the individuals the people the employees or visitors or clients or um, patients depending on the nature of your organization at risk from the fire but obviously the disruption that a fire can cause can have an implication for the business so fire is a is a key risk that affects every business and businesses take organisational level action. So they identify what can cause fire or create fire within their workplace. They try and eliminate that. They then put in other controls to identify a fire early or put a fire out. So we have things like smoke detectors, fire alarm systems, fire extinguishers, sprinklers, fire doors, all of those organisational level controls is the term that we'd use to minimise or tackle a fire should it happen. And then we need to train and educate um, our workforce, our employers and others who may be in the building about what to do if there is a fire. And then we might need to practice it. So we practice evacuation drills. And they are all organisational level controls. And that will protect the most people and give the be biggest benefit to the business in terms of minimising the risk that fire causes. But when we think about the last aspect in particular, um, the evacuation, there are people who might need additional support to evacuate. So they might have a temporary mobility problem. They might have sprained their ankle and been on crutches and therefore they need extra support and time to get out of the workplace. Somebody who's heavily pregnant can't move as quickly. Or of course, you may have somebody who's got a permanent mobility issue so they're in a wheelchair and again you will create an individual way to support that pe person for that particular um, risk in terms of evacuating and it's the same with psychological health and safety you, you are looking to address all of those organizational actions and um, before you focus on the individual so in you know, one example is bullying and harassment this is one of the very common causes of psychological harm within a workplace. But, and you might think, oh, well, that's down to an individual issue. 
But of course, it's not. It's actually about the culture of the organization. What's accepted or tolerated in terms of behaviors? What's done to address when those behaviors are not right? What action is taken? They are all organizational level issues. Um, and that's what we need to focus on, not on, on individual actions. My thanks to Kate Field for this particular certification conversation and to you for listening. To find out more about ISO 45003, visit bsigroup.com forward slash ISO 45003. The next episode in this series is on the standard PAS 2060, which helps organisations to demonstrate their carbon neutrality. To make sure you don't miss out, subscribe to the BSI Education Podcast now, wherever you get your podcasts. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash education. You just heard a stripped media production.